0: Always love hearing this wonderful choir sing, don't you? It's just a great to worship with them and under the direction of Steve and his ministry. I've always I'll respected him and also uh, Wendell as he preaches God's Word and loves you as a church family. Great pastor and preacher. I hope you appreciate and love them and encourage them. I know that you do. They love you as a church family. I grew up here and there are many others who I am representing who are serving God in ministry around our nation and world as as pastors and ministers and missionaries and and we grew roots here in this church. So I just want to say a word to parents if you've got kids and you... Don't have them plugged in all the time. This is a great place to involve your children and let them grow up in this church and be influenced by men and women of God who love God and love one another and encourage one another. Today we'll be studying from 1 Kings. And as we open our Bibles to that passage, chapter 19, you also have a note-taking page in your bulletin. I like people to take notes because... If you're like me, sometimes you forget where you park the car when you come out from the mall or the grocery store. 1 Kings chapter 19, let's pray together as we start. Father, we thank you for the worship that has taken place and that you are worthy of worship, worthy of praise. We come together here now to study your word, knowing that your spirit alone can take this word and breathe life into it as it comes into our ears and our minds our hearts our souls our spirits so we would pray right now that you would fill us with your spirit that we would yield to you we would listen to what you would say to each of us and seek to apply it in our lives we pray this in jesus name amen many people battle depression at different levels The government estimates that some 15 million people in America in any given year are battling a major depression. So that means that a good number of you here today are battling depression at some level, and you have a loved one or friend that is also walking through that. The Bible is far from silent on the subject. It affects not just people that are on the periphery of Scripture, but some of the major men and women of Scripture. One of those is Elijah, and we're going to look at one of the low points in his life in chapter 19 of 1 Kings. And as we walk through this passage together, you're going to see some of the symptoms of depression that, that he had. You're going to look at some of the sources of depression that are true in each of, of our lives. And then you're going to look at some very practical steps when you're battling the blues, what you can do, how you can, can come against that in the power of God and of His Holy Spirit. So first of all, let's look at some of the symptoms of depression that we see in the life of Elijah. This man so recognized of God as one of the the leaders of the prophets that Moses and Elijah are who appear with Christ on that mountainside. Elijah here, 1 Kings chapter 19, it says that Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel, she sent a message to Elijah saying, so may the gods do to me and more also if I don't make your life as the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. Then he was afraid and he arose and he ran for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree. And he asked that he might die, saying, It's enough now, O Lord. Take away my life, for I am no better than my father's. Now in these first four verses, we see some of the the symptoms of depression in his life and some of the indications of what was taking place. The first of these is, is fear and anger. Because he was the object of the anger of Jezebel, and you did not want to be the object of her anger. It sparked fear in his life. If you want to later today, read chapter 21 of this, and you'll see why he was afraid of this scheming, mean woman. The queen who was kind of the power behind the throne. You know, the rage expressed toward him made him fearful, and... Anytime there is prolonged anger in your relationships, anytime you have a spirit of fear that that maintains itself over time, you begin to have this sense of depression. Because the, the emotions there turn inward, and depression in some ways is simply anger that starts to be turned inward. Fear that is cultured inside your soul. Elijah was a man who knew what it meant to be afraid, and he ran. Second thing I see as far as symptoms here is what I call falling flat. You see, Elijah had just had one of the great moments of his life. He had faced down, 1 verses 850, false prophets. And God had sent fire, God had confirmed that he was God, and Elijah had this phenomenal victory. After that victory, he also outran a chariot for 15 miles. It says in Kings 18.46, And the hand of the Lord was on Elijah. He gathered up his garments and he ran before Ahab to the, the entrance of Jezreel. Now you think of that. The chariot going down, here comes Elijah just cruising past and waving back. Outrunning the chariot for those 15 miles. He had been in a great spiritual battle, that had great victory. He had had a great physical victory, but was worn out. You know, it doesn't matter if there was a victory or a failure. Often after that extreme exertion, there is a falling flat. You can have a great win and still feel the beginnings of depression. You can have a great loss and carry that with you, that that falling flat. Now he's running for his life. And then you see also the symptom of focus upon self. Focus upon self. When someone starts to drift into a depression, they stop thinking as much about other people, and more and more they're thinking about himself or herself. And so we see this in this passage, this isolation, often by choice, even from close family members where you're not really wanting to engage and talk with them, becoming less and less tolerant of others and pushing them away. In verse 10, which we'll refer to several times in this sermon, he says... um, Lord, I have been very jealous, very zealous for you, for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the people of Israel, they have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, killed your prophets with the sword, and I, even I only, am left, feeling all alone, isolated. And that's one of the key signs is that people start to get quieter and and a little more antagonistic at the same time, pushing people away and thinking, man, it's just me and nobody understands me. I am all alone. The next symptom you see here is frustration. Frustration with yourself. Frustration sometimes with a family member. Even frustration with God. Things did not turn out the way that Elijah had expected. He was thinking of a victory party. And instead, as he comes here, he is feeling all alone, feeling like he might as well go ahead and die. He's frustrated by the way things turned out. That's echoed in the book of Jonah in chapter 4, when he has expected God to judge Nineveh, and now God's not going to judge in the way he had expected and anticipated. And it says in verse 1 it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. So Jonah sits down, has a pity party thinking about himself. And in verse 3 he says, Take my life from me, for it's better for me to die than to live. Frustration. And then the final symptom I see in this passage is a sense by Elijah that he was just fated at this point to continue to fail. It wasn't going to get better. He didn't see any way things were going to improve didn't matter what he did or what he tried. It was all downhill from here. Faded to continue failing. He had no sense of energy, no interest. Things that were of interest to him before were now not important. He was going off by himself. Faded to continue failing. He said, take my life. I am no better than my father's. He said, I, even I, only am left. In verse 10, they seek my life. To take it away. Now all of us can identify some with those symptoms, perhaps even more than the classic, you know, not eating regularly, not sleeping as well. This understanding of, what, of what's happening to Elijah as he feels crushed and alone and everything's dark and he is running for his life. Now those are some of the sources and symptoms in his life, but now let's look also at some of the sources of depression that can be true in any of our lives and I would say even are true, in each life at certain times. The first of those sources of depression, these five roots that are critical to identify, because if you don't, you're just treating the symptoms on the surface and aren't pulling out those roots, and those weeds will grow right back. The first of those is being unbalanced physically. Being unbalanced physically. Where things are just not the way you know you ought to be taking care of yourself. And so you see in this passage what can take place when you don't have enough rest, when when you're not eating right, when you're not running right. And before I get to this, let, let me uh, just share a very practical note here. That unbalanced physically also can extend to how your brain is working. And I think it's wrong when people take the concept of of medicine and so forth, and don't treat it as a good gift from God. There's not a single medicine that's been invented that wasn't a good gift from God if it's a good medicine. Those are gifts from God. That is God at work. Every good gift comes down from above. And so somehow, in the area of of mental issues or depression, we don't want to think that our brain is actually an organ of our body, that it has neurotransmitters, that it it has chemicals, and that they can get out of balance. And somehow we think it is less spiritual to take some medicine that might balance those chemicals. You know, if someone has diabetes, I know many of you do, is it unspiritual to use insulin to balance the chemicals? From that organ? If you have blood pressure, is it unspiritual to use a medicine God has allowed to be developed to to lower that blood pressure? It is also not unspiritual to use a God-given, God-allowed, developed medicine to balance chemicals in the brain. It is part of God's provision for you. Now, beyond that, pray it through. There are many different options. Different things work for different people. I understand all that. Different side effects you've got to be concerned about. But uh, don't view it as not trusting God if they need to balance some of the chemical levels. Okay. Unbalanced physically, though, also can apply to to what you're eating and whether you're walking or not. It reminds me in in Daniel chapter 1 when Daniel said, Listen, let us try and just eat these vegetables for a while and water, and you judge our countenance. See what it's like at that point. And as they went to that radically healthy manner of eating, their countenance was better than those who were eating the rich food of the king. Sometimes when you're going through the blues, the best thing you can do is make yourself not grab a cupcake and uh, comfort foods that you go, this will make me feel better at least for a minute and eat healthy and get up and go for a walk, drink more water, the things you know to do. Sometimes you can't take care of the issue that is causing you such pain, but you can take care of some very practical issues and seek to be more balanced physically to get the rest and exercise and food that you need. And the second of these sources of depression, in addition to being unbalanced physically, is when there is unforgiven sin in your life. Depression is not sin. But sin can cause depression. And you need to examine and see: you know, is there sin in my life that I need to confess to God? David wrote a lot about this. He understood what it meant to be walking through dark days because of sin in his life. He wrote in Psalms 51, verse 2 and 3, Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity. Cleanse my sin. For I know my transgression, my sin is ever before me. David knew what it meant to feel like he was being crushed by the sin in his life. That unforgiven sin can even apply to areas where we need to forgive someone else who has sinned against us. Jesus taught us to pray, You know, Father... Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And he said, you know, if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Unforgiven sin can weigh you down. The third source that you see is unresolved conflict. Elijah had this ongoing conflict with Jezebel. It was, was unresolved conflict. And the Bible speaks to us that when we have conflict with one of our brothers, even if he is the one who sinned against us, that we should go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens, you have gained a brother. And it talks about us taking the initiative to deal with unresolved conflict. To go to those people and see if you can work it out. As much as it depends upon you. And they may not choose. To reconcile. You can't control that. But you can control your side and what you do. So you have unresolved conflict. Some of you right now, you're being eaten up by this relationship when any time you think of that person, you just get angry again because it's unresolved. Unprocessed loss or grief is the next point. Unprocessed loss or grief. Whenever there's a loss, especially a relational loss, but any significant loss, there's a sense of grief that takes place over that and a process that you work through. But you can get stuck in those points. Where continually, when that thought comes back to mind, you jump back to that same emotion, that same point, and haven't worked through it. The Bible says that we are to grieve, but not as those who have no hope. We grieve... But we grieve with hope. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, concerning those who are asleep, so that you will not grieve like the rest who have no hope. And then finally I put down being unfilled with the Spirit. The Holy Spirit of God produces fruit in your life. Among those fruit are love, joy, and peace. It's God working within you to to counteract the depression that could come on, to produce the fruit within your life. And God wants to keep you full of the Holy Spirit. He asks you, he says, listen, as often as you will ask me to fill you with the Spirit, I will fill you with the Spirit. Being full of the Spirit of God should be the normal, everyday walk of the Christian. And God today wants you to re-experience the joy that can come not from your situation, not from your circumstances, not that you're trying to work up a happy smile, but from down inside your spirit and soul, the Holy Spirit of God producing the fruit of joy. Being unfilled with the Spirit leads to a less than joyous walk. God would have you be full. Now let's turn... The corner here because in this passage you see some amazing practical applications as to what God would have you do when you're walking into a a series of of valleys and you're feeling blue. The clouds are gathering around. Stepping out of depression. Stepping out of depression. This is not usually a fast process. Occasionally I've seen God by the power of His Spirit just, just... Change a person's feeling of depression. But most of the time over the years as a pastor, I have seen it be a process where a person gradually steps back where there's more light. One lady even put it to me that way. She said, you know, I don't know when things really got better. It just seems like there's fewer clouds now. And you walk through that process doing what God's telling you to do seeking the help you can seek, and gradually things get better. And that makes sense because it usually took you a while to get there. You didn't just suddenly wake up that way, and it takes a while to get out from that place. Stepping out of depression. First of all, four key points here. Rest your body. Rest and restore physically. God would have you to take time to get things back into balance sleep eat spend time with god it says in first kings chapter 19 verse 5 elijah he lay down and slept under a broom tree and behold an angel touched him and said get up arise and eat now some of you are thinking that's not very spiritual Yes, it is. You're not separate soul, spirit, and body. God has woven this all together. And it all affects each other. And the practical things to to get back the energy that you need are very important. Taking time to rest. Taking the initiative to get yourself up when you should. Eating what you should. Arise and eat. And he looked and behold there was at his head, it says in verse 6, a cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water. And he ate and drank and lay down again. The angel of the Lord came to him a second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, for the journey is too great for you. For some of you this is a very simple understanding. That God is not separate from the physical. And He expects you to obey Him in physical areas. And that you need to start eating what you should and resting as you should and walking with God as you should. And you might not can take care of everything else, but you can take care of that as a start. The second step that you see here is releasing your frustrations. Releasing your frustrations. Some of you don't want to tell God anything about what you're going through because, I don't know, maybe you think He doesn't already know. Or can't handle how you feel. Elijah was very honest as he prayed to God. says in verse 9 and 10, There he came to a cave, he lodged in it, and behold, the word of the Lord came to him and said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? I like that question. Elijah probably has all these things he wants to ask God or tell God about how unfair all this is. And Elijah, first greeting from God, it's Elijah, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? Why are you hosting this pity party for yourself here? So Elijah tells him, God... I have been very jealous for the Lord God. The God of hosts. For the people of Israel. They've they've all forsaken your covenant. They've thrown down your altars. They've killed your prophets with the sword. I, even I, only. You feel that? I, even I, only am left. And they're seeking my life to take it away. He was running from Jezebel who said going will have him dead by the next day. He had this fear and this frustration and he needed, instead of it consuming him, he needed to give it to God. He didn't need to just be consumed by that fear. He needed to express it to God. Instead of letting worry and fear and frustration consume you, give it to God. You know, one of the things God taught me a year ago was that it's not unspiritual when worry pops back up again. I had thought for a long time that, you know, I've given it to God, I don't need to pick that up again. Something's wrong with me if I worry a second time about that. But the teaching in Scripture is that as often as you worry, whenever those worries come back, you give it to God in intercession with thanksgiving. And immediately when you start to worry again, you pray again, you say, God, this is yours. I'm trusting you and I am thanking you for who you are and what you're doing. Giving those frustrations to God. Releasing them to God. The third step coming out here is to refocus upon God. To refocus on God. You see, your attention has been taken from God to the problem. And that problem area is consuming your thoughts, it's taking up your time, and God would have you to take your eyes off of that and look up to Him and know that He is God. He is sovereign. He is Lord of lords and King of kings. That situation as a surprise to you. It is no surprise to God. That loss that you're walking through and you think, I don't know how I'm going to get past the next year. God says, my grace is for today and it is sufficient. And so God would have you to take your eyes off the problems. And the more you look to Him, the more you will find that He is great and gracious and sufficient for the day. Elijah, verse 11 through 14, this great passage, he says... Go and stand, verse 11, Go and stand on the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind it tore the mountain and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake was a fire, But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance to the cave. And behold, there came a voice to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? Same question, second time. Same answer, basically, from Elijah. God can manifest Himself and His voice in many ways. I find when when you're walking through a tough time, there is no better time to spend more time in God's Word. God will have a Word for you. He will speak to you. He will say to you and to your soul, this verse is for you this day. There are passages in the Psalms and in the Proverbs that are so dear during those times. To take and read His Word and ask the Spirit of God to show you Himself and His nature. The more you think about the nature of God when you're going through a dark day, the brighter that day becomes. The more you stop and think about His glory and His glorious light, Where His light is shining, there is no darkness. The darkness flees. And God would have you to take your attention off all of the busyness and the frustrations. Think about Him. Worship Him. Give Him praise. Refocus upon Him. Then finally, return and reinvest in other people. Now this is very important. If you stop just with refocusing upon God, pretty soon you're going to lose that focus and shift back to focusing upon yourself and drop back into the dark. But if you take the focus off of yourself and begin to focus upon other people and what God would have you to do in ministry to them, you start feeling better about life. You see God at work through you helping other people? It makes a huge difference. In Elijah's life, after he had heard the voice of God, this is what God said to him in verse 15 and 16. The Lord said to him, Go, return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus, and when you arrive, you shall anoint Hazael to be king over Syria. And Jehu, the son of Nimshi, you shall anoint to be king over Israel. And Elisha, the son of Shaphat, Of Abel Mehalah, you shall anoint to be prophet in your place. Successor. God said, Elijah, I don't want you just sitting out here on the mountain of God feeling sorry for yourself. Return. Go back. Get to work. And in particular, I want you to pick these men and I want you to anoint them as kings and as a future prophet. And I want you to invest in their lives. And part of the richness of Elijah's life was the investment into the life of Elisha. History tells us that he also reestablished schools of the prophets. And he poured his life into these men, and especially into the life of Elijah. And as he did so, God restored his joy and his victory in ministry. God would have you to return and reinvest In people's lives now listen as you you hear all these points and we've run through a lot of them I know that but as you hear all these points God does not want you to have to fight this battle on your own he is a God who will come alongside you and help you and he is a God who will work through the church to help you you do not have to fight this battle alone there are areas some of you need to come and lay down before God at this altar and say Lord I need your help in this area. I need to give it to you and pray to you and seek to focus upon you. There are others of you today and God saying to you, you need a church family to walk with you and encourage you. It's not supposed to be a solo sport. This is a great church that will love you and encourage you. Others of you today, you've been walking through darkness, and today is the day God says, I want you to know the light that comes when you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior and have the Holy Spirit inside of you to help you. And today, God will give you that gift of eternal life inside. As God calls you in a moment our time of invitation, people will be here at the front to receive you, and you can come and respond to Him. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Lord God, in a moment as we stand... We sing a hymn of invitation. We would pray that you would be at work. That we would be yielded to you. And what you tell us to do, we would do. I pray especially, Father, for those you brought here today who need a word of encouragement from your word. For for whom today is a day that they will turn from wallowing in sorrow and darkness. And they're going to reach out and find you are nearby. And you'll take them by the hand. your head bowed? Is the Spirit of God talking to you? Has He spoken a word to you and saying, it's time, it's time to walk with me, to hear my soft whisper and say yes. The Spirit of God is speaking and calling you. In a moment as others stand, we encourage you to come forward make that decision known, or to come and pray as God would lead you. Spirit, you move. Give glory to, your son Jesus, to the Son, Jesus. May we give glory and honor to Him by the decisions we make. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Let's stand together. Spirit's calling. You respond. Don't stay there. Don't stay in sadness. Step forward.